With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast and now video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're on Megaphone through the C-Suite Network as well. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's our website. That's the easiest way. See it right there on the bottom of your page, the KramerandBrill.com. Now, during the offseason, each week, we're taking a look at each NFL team as they prepare for the draft of the upcoming year. We'll do that with local reporters who cover those teams to get their perspective. This week, we're joined by Max Goodman, who covers the New York Jets uh, for Sports Illustrated. Uh, Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate oh, it. Looking forward to it. You know, this is <laughs> what has become sort of a typical season for the Jets. How do I put this? Uh, awkward, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, give us a little recap of uh, the Jets season. Well, the Jets haven't been on a great run before this season, Bob, but this one was particularly not the way that they wanted it to go. They ended up with two wins. Uh, we're in the running for going 0-16 all the way through towards the end before the, the win against the Rams and the win against the Browns. So close to, if not one of the worst seasons in franchise history, you've got the, the constant discourse with Adam Gase and he ends up being fired at the end of the season. There were a couple different shining stars throughout. I think a lot of different young guys showed glimpses of greatness, we'll say. Uh, which should have Jets fans excited about the future. And with all this draft capital and cap space going forward, as well as the new coach, Robert Sala, and his his coaching staff, the, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited going forward. But, you know, with, without going into this season as a whole too, too deeply at the start, it, it did not go too, too well. But I think there are reasons to be optimistic going forward. Well, Max, uh, I would ask you, so – Obviously, you've been around the team and been um, around the players this year. Is there some sense you gain from, um, you know, they just drafted Sam Donald, what, three years ago, four years ago? Um, and uh, sort of the perception um, around was, or, or the question was, was it Adam Gase that was impeding that progress of Sam Darnold's, or was it Sam Darnold impeding his own progress? And was it the players around him? Was it the system that wasn't tailored enough or, uh, I guess, organized well enough so that he could thrive in that? Is there any sense going forward with Sam Darnold, any plans that Joe Douglas might have? Well, I think you can answer that both on and off the field. And just, you know, I joined the beat and I think it was week eight. It was right around the, uh, the Chiefs game when they played against Mahomes. And listening to Darnold speak with the media throughout the rest of the, the second half, and obviously, you know, he regressed this year statistically, but he was always a consummate professional. He always handled, you know, being accountable for himself. And then on the field, I think that, you know, when I said glimpses of greatness, he's one of those players that there were moments throughout the year where he would make those kind of throws where you're like, wow, that's that's a franchise quarterback type of throw. And remember, he's 
he's only 23. I'm, I'm about to turn 24. So I, I know that we, we got bright futures in this industry for, for the both of us. Um, I think that he does have a future in this league, but it's just a matter of, is it in this system? And does Robert Sala and his coaching staff or Joe Douglas, who's still kind of new to a certain extent too, like he did not pick Sam Darnold. So do those two guys want to really start fresh moving forward with someone like Zach Wilson, if they can get their hands on a Deshaun Watson or even Fields or Lance or anyone else There's a loaded class, at least it seems to be on paper. I do think that Sam Darnold has a future and he showed this year, there were a couple different games where he showed that he has, he has that potential to be that kind of starting quarterback. It's just, I'm not sure if it's with the jets. This team has 19 free agents. Am I correct in uh, my, my assumption of that? It's, it's quite a few. I don't know the number exactly. Yeah, on top of and my head, and uh, do they have the cap space to keep some of these guys or, or do they have that kind of capital? They definitely do. They have almost the most. It's, it's up there with, with a couple other teams. And it, it's a matter of making those decisions that now that this new coaching staff is in, they can evaluate who they want to keep while also looking out on a market and trying to choose from some top receivers uh, some veteran offensive linemen and and some, you know, people that can mentor the defense because on both sides of the ball, there are a lot of young and inex- inexperienced players that could use that kind of tutelage that like a Frank Gore gave last year. So if you're going to, you know, go out and try to get Richard Sherman, he may not want to play for a team that's not necessarily contending, but if you give him a kind of contract that he would want, then, you know, maybe that would work. And then I, I mentioned the top receivers. I think they're going to, Definitely go out and, and look at those guys, you know, Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Will Fuller, those kind of guys. But there are definitely going to be some players they bring back. I think Marcus May is one of the uh, – Joe Douglas said at the very end of the season that Marcus May is a, is a priority this offseason to bring him back. Well, I, I think we can all see the quick turnaround that happened in Tampa Bay. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't just a matter of getting Tom Brady. He was kind of the last piece, he and Gronkowski – to what had been forming really for the last three or four years and the way they've drafted for agency pickups. Um, are the Jets in that sort of situation where obviously they've got some very good young players like Quinn and Williams and they hit on last year with uh, was it Mickey, Mackay Becton, the offensive tackle. Um, but are there, some, are there some positions that stand out to you that if they got the right guy here is maybe a running back or is it a wide receiver? That's offensively, obviously, but defensively also. Is there a position or two on the team that could use, whether it be free agency or in draft, um, you know, the, those, I guess, three or four players that in one season could end up bumping up from a two-win, a two-win team with the Jets to maybe, a, you know, the, it seems like everyone's shooting for eight and eight as a place to start. Yeah, I think the Bucks are, are just – it ended up being the perfect storm. The football gods are really just looking down on that team. But at the end of the day, it came down to that defense. Obviously, Tom Brady is an anomaly. If you can add someone who's the best quarterback of all time, that always helps your team. But, you know, the, the Bucks have a, a perfect storm of those veterans that have been around and came to the Bucks to go and try to contend for a championship, as well as the guys that they built up internally. Um, you know, I always think back to Joe Douglas spoke, I think it was in November. And he said that this team is going to try to build through the offensive and defensive line. And they're going to build through the draft because they have all of these picks over the next few years. 
And once you establish yourself and you have that culture and you're showing that you're going in the right direction, which, which they can very well do this next season, if they win, you know, like you said, eight and eight, I don't know if that's feasible for this team, but if you show that you're going from two wins to let's say six or seven or something like that, then you become a destination that free agents like a Gronk, like a, you know, Antonio Brown ended up there and and Dominican Sue ended up there. Those kind of players that have already proven themselves, then it's, it, I keep saying perfect storm. It ends up being that match of the internal growth and you get people from other teams that have already proven themselves and then you're good to go. I was reading an article the other day and <laughs> Eric's going to laugh at this knowing that I'm a Steeler fan. And the, the article was saying that where do Steeler free agents go because they're going to lose a bunch. And everybody was going to the Jets. It was just like Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, um, maybe uh, Joe Hayden. They're all going to end up with the Jets because, they were, you know, they had all this cap space and they could make a, a really big turnaround. I mean, we've in the past, we've given you Le'Veon Bell and Alan Fennec. I mean, come on. Uh, is there anybody in particular – in the free agent uh, draft, you mentioned uh, Schuster and Fuller that uh, the Jets have their eye on specifically. I think uh, those two names are right up there. And I'll just go off of different reports from the last couple of days. Uh, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN mentioned those two guys. I think it was also Fowler, uh, Corey Lindsley from the Packers, the center. Uh, and that's another example of a, a veteran that can mentor someone like Makai Becton up front. Um other than that, I think that they could definitely use someone like Richard Sherman to help with a very inexperienced secondary, a secondary that was torn apart pretty much every single game by good offenses. And that's not to say that these guys aren't talented. And I think that they do have quite a bit of upside. And I'm mentioning, you know, Ashton Davis, uh, Bryce Hall, the guys that were just rookies and had so much experience in their rookie year. And obviously they didn't win a lot of games, but they're going into now their sophomore season and that works for quite a few people, whether it's that last draft class or others that now have all this experience of what it feels like to lose those games. And now they can turn that into something else going forward. But I think if I had to choose three positions, I'd say someone in the secondary to, to mentor some young guys, definitely a top receiver to go alongside Jamison Crowder and uh, Denzel Mims, and then someone up front to go alongside Mekhi Becton. They may draft Panay Sewell. I'm not quite sure if that's necessarily how they'll go at number two. Um, but having Becton on, on the left side at left tackle for years to come, and then you can kind of choose from free agents in, in the middle of the offensive line, maybe a guard or, or a center, like I mentioned. Well, obviously, Max, uh, as we were talking a little bit before we went on, you've got uh, cap space galore. You've got, uh, you know, a bunch of free agents that you could possibly bring in and start to either – you know, guys are going to have to play, but also could mentor some other young players beneath them. And then you've got the draft coming up. So it's, you know, it's an exciting time to talk about what potential talent could be acquired by the Jets. But now, as you look at the head coach and Robert Sala, what do you think it is that he brings that is, it's going to be his first head coaching job, but what is it about his experience, do you think, or his, um, something he's known for that is going to set him apart as, the Jets' new offensive coach or new head coach. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's in part, it's the the pedigree of what he was able to accomplish in San Francisco, turning that defense into a perennial, one of the best defenses in the National Football League. But it's also the culture that he brings. And, you know, their stories, even with Deshaun Watson, he wanted Houston to to take a look at Salah because of who he is as a coach and and 
you hear from guys like Richard Sherman or, or uh, Shanahan. A- anybody that was in San Francisco knows what kind of individual he is, not just with the X's and O's and obviously specifically the X's because he's a defensive-minded coach, but he's bringing in Mike LaFleur. He's bringing in all of these different people from not just the 49ers, but across the NFL that are going to make this team a desirable location because at every single different position on the roster, there's going to be a coach that you can count on that's proven themselves in this league. Uh, and listening to Salah talk when you know he was introduced, I think it's also just that vision that he has. And that's what really set him apart because the Jets were doing their due diligence and looking at, I think it was seven different candidates that they initially interviewed. And Salah stood out right from the start, according to Douglas and ownership, because he had that vision of how he wants to take this team to contention in only a couple of years. And, and if his vision comes to reality, this team could be a contender, you know, in two, maybe three years. You know, I want to look at the running back situation. You know, obviously, every I think everybody can agree that it was a big mistake to bring in Le'Veon Bell. Frank Gore is like a billion years old. Uh, is LaMichael Pirine the guy, or are they going to have to go out and get somebody else? It's a really good question because I asked him because really... he's on my fantasy team. So <laughs> Okay, good to know. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Um, I think that maybe it, it depends on how they – go into free agency in the draft as well, because Pirine's obviously talented. They took him, I want to say in the fourth round last year, but he never really got that chance to be their number one back. And obviously Frank Gore is doing incredible for a 37 year old, and maybe he will come back next season. I don't necessarily think it would be with the jets, but Pirine may have the potential, but it might be as more of a complimentary back. And if that's the case, if that's what Salah and, and everyone coming in deems as the case, then they might go out and try to sign a free agent. Or maybe with the 23rd pick, you try to take Najee Harris or, or take a premier back that way. Uh, maybe they go into this season as, again, kind of like a running back by committee type of situation. Obviously, that wasn't necessarily the plan at the start when they did have Le'Veon Bell. And you kind of have to roll with what you have after releasing somebody like that. But to answer your question, I saw glimpses of, of Pirine that I think he has potential to be a good back in this league. I just don't know if he's necessarily a number one back on a, a team that's you know trying to turn into a contender in, in the near future. Well, it's going to be interesting, obviously, because uh, you know the Jets are in the AFC East, and you've got uh, sort of a toss-up on the Bills, obviously, I think, because of Josh Allen and the way they've structured that team just in the last, what, two or three years, um, even though they really have no running game to speak of, uh, defensively and passing the ball, um, they're one of the better teams out there. And it just in this day and age, it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to take, you know, five or six years to get out from under where the Jets are now up to another level, as you mentioned, Robert Sala's bringing in a new culture. He's got uh, building a, a good coaching staff from within, and they've got a good foundation to start with. Um, but I guess defensively, that seems to be where, you know, the Dolphins jumped in and made a big splash just in one season with Brian Flores. And um, on the defensive side of the ball, is there an area where that stands out to you or, you know, where they can, you know, by adding a, either whether it be a free agent or through the draft, any positions there that stand out to you as possible 
immediate needs? I think they need help, you know, pretty much everywhere. Uh, but it's also hard to, to gauge off of this past season because they did trade so many people and there were so many injuries and, and certain people opted out earlier in the season or before the season began. So I look at, at Quinn and Williams as who they're building this entire defense around. And there are a lot of people that had solid seasons and showed that they can be on this team moving forward. But again, I'll go back to, to someone in the secondary whether it's a, a shutdown corner, if you could get him, or someone to go alongside Marcus May, I think bringing back May is is not necessarily imperative, but he established himself as the leader of you know, arguably the defense, but at least just the secondary. Uh, and he's been on the Jets his entire career. And when Jamal Adams leaves, he's he uh, he blossomed in that new role as a leader. And up front, if you could get an edge rusher, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, if you can, I think they could definitely get a couple guys in the draft, whether it's their second first round pick or, again, all of that could change depending on if they, you know, trade Darnold or if they mess around and lose those picks with a, with a, a trade for Deshaun Watson. But if you could add a, an edge rusher and pair them along with Quinn Williams, who we haven't even necessarily seen what he's capable of yet, and if he's in this defense with Salah and he plays a full season, he could definitely be an all pro and, and one of the best defensive linemen and tackles in the game. So uh, the pieces are there to start to build moving forward. But Salah and Douglas have their hands full in, in figuring out how to make this into that contending defense. Then you got to worry about the offense, too. You can't just have a good defense. But you know, one of the things that I, I look at uh, the NFL today and the NFL today it seems like the transition has been made to quarterbacks who are also good runners. You have Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you don't have the Eric Kramers anymore who kind of stand back there, you know, and, and don't really run. Uh, but, uh, you know, is I, I look at Sam Darnold. He had a great, I know he had one great run this year. It was, it blew everybody away. I think it was on a Monday night or something. Um, but uh, is, is he capable of being that type of guy or is that kind of, not happening. Well, I'll say I was more of a pocket passer in my intramural flag football <laughs> at school. Uh, and, and we got to the championship my senior year. So I think that there, there are some merits to having a pocket passer, but no, I, I think that hey, Eric took teams to the playoffs, you know, <laughs> and the guy that just won the Super Bowl MVP is kind of known as a pocket passer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. And, and Rogers as well, who won an MVP. So uh, I think that Darnold has proven that he's able to move around and he's made a couple throws on the run where he's, he has that in his repertoire, but you know, you look at someone like Zach Wilson, who's definitely more of an athlete and, and has shown in college. I don't know how, how you can necessarily compare based on the competition that he faced at BYU, but he showed that he can throw on the run and he can, you know, uh, run the ball just purely by himself, run past option, that kind of stuff. I don't think that that's necessarily a strength in Darnold's game. It's not necessarily, it's obviously not something that like you would compare to Lamar Jackson or, or someone like that. But, you know, when you look at how Patrick Mahomes had to move around in the Super Bowl and use his feet, that, that's, that's a valuable asset for a quarterback that can also just take snaps under center and work and play action and stay in the pocket. So I think in the right offense, Sam Darnold can def definitely use his feet uh, to his advantage. It's just maybe that would happen with LaFleur and this kind of Shanahan offense that they're going to establish, but that would also benefit someone like Wilson too. 
tell me what you think about this. I kind of, as I'm, uh, you know, thinking back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? So how Brady was kind of the last piece they put together. You know, they they got in Dominic and Sue. They got they drafted Chris uh, Tristan Wharfs this year, and I think, as you mentioned, Joe Douglas pointed out that building the core of your team and getting them up to the next level starts with the offense and defensive line. I'd like to see them continue to start and continue on that track. I think Darnold can still be an excellent quarterback in this league based on if he does one thing, and that's just get more consistent with his footwork and reads and not try to make great throws all the time, but just make the simple, the simple throw that's going to make the chains move, continue to make first downs and so forth, stay out of bad plays. If he can be that guy, then the team can get built around not just him, but just the team itself can get built. And then maybe it's him that develops into being that guy. Maybe it's not. But then you can kind of hopefully they'll be in a position where the right guy will come around again or that they can trade for or whatever. And I, I really would like to see them kind of stay on the path that it seems that they're on now, give Donald a shot that now I think the situation could have been more Adam Gase and the lack of kind of high level offense, as opposed to what I think it now will be with Michael Floyd. Yeah, you said it. Uh, I think that this is the argument for sticking with Donald. It's that, in this past season, they had two wins, but he also wasn't blocking and he wasn't catching and he wasn't defending. Like it wasn't all his fault. And again, I mentioned the injuries. I think it was through that Monday night game against the Patriots. I want to say that that was the first time that Mims, Crowder and Perriman were all healthy on the field. That's over half of a season that he was throwing to second and third string receivers and people up front. It was it was a different offensive line pretty much every week for this team. So you use all these picks that they're hypothetically dangling out in a trade for Watson, and you use those to bolster the line, to get young playmakers on offense, and to bolster your defense and make that more of a formidable unit with this new coaching staff. And Darnold's only 23. So you technically do have a couple years of, of wiggle room to make that happen. But then you get to the financials and maybe you want to start fresh with a new rookie contract because he's only got one more year left in his contract. So I don't know, but I, I, I get it. But like, would Deshaun Watson really be ready? He's going to be playing behind the same offensive line that Darnold did, you know? Right. And, and I just think to me, it just seems like there's so many nuts and bolts left yet to be put together so that a quarterback can flourish. Right. Yeah. That's why they have to be careful about a trade for Watson, where you're going to have to give away three, four first rounders, more draft picks, and maybe even someone like Quinn and Williams if they ask for it. So you got to really think long and hard if you're the GM and ownership and the coaching staff that you're taking a step back in so many other ways, but you're adding a top five quarterback or you're sticking with a quarterback that hasn't necessarily proven himself yet. And that's a risk going forward. But if you really do work to surround him with a better staff, not a better staff, a better roster, then maybe he's going to get better. And maybe I think arguably he will get better if he has those people around him and has shown in the past that he's capable of making those throws and he's capable of managing a game. So if you give him the players to do that with, and you give him a year or two to make that happen, then odds are he's going to at least make some improvements. It's just a matter of whether or not it's enough to turn them into a contender. 
Max Goodman covers the Jets for Sports Illustrated, joining us uh, today on Kramer and Grill. And each week we uh, visit a different NFL team and talk with local experts and reporters about the team and the draft and its future for the upcoming NFL season. New team each week. So you'll be sure to join us again next week. Max, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been fun and, and really informative. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You got it. There you have it. Kramer and Grill, a fantasy football podcast, and now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Lips, and Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcast. And now you can see the video cast as well on YouTube by going to my Bob Grill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at Kramerandgrill.com right there at the bottom of your screen. That is the easiest way, Kramerandgrill.com. For my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer, I'm Bob 